Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet. And on this this week's episode, I guess this is yeah, this week's episode, we've got Ryan Berger. Ryan, how you doing? Not too bad today. That's good. That's good. So let our listeners know who Ryan is. They might not know who you are. Kind of give us an idea of, you know, who you are. Well, I'm originally from Montana. I run out of Three Forks. Um, I got hooked up with the BeastNet crew about two and a half years ago with everybody's favorite, Beast Ted. Um, I ran into him in... Oh, yeah. Canada and Red Deer, and somehow decided that he was kind of an okay guy. Yeah, he, he tricks us all like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ted's a great guy. I, I love Ted. I give him a lot of crap, and I've never seen anybody at his age spend that much time on Facebook. But, I mean, he's like a teenage girl with his Facebook. I mean, it's crazy. But <laughs> That is not far off. No, someone needs to give him a job so he can get off Facebook. But that would be a good idea. But I'd almost be scared to hire him. Yeah, he, he's a little. He's called Freak Show for a reason. Yes, he is. That is definitely yeah. the best nickname I've ever heard for that man. Oh yeah, it's funny because we talk about him being Freak Show, and my nickname's Pretty Mike. And both of those nicknames came from the same person on the same night. Okay, and that it was scares Dingo. me a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, being we were, Dingo, we're, that would not surprise me. We're in a hurricane heat, and Dingo wasn't – he wasn't running it. Dingo was a participant with us. And okay. the whole night, he kept calling Ted Freak Show and kept calling me Pretty Mike. He's like, come on, Pretty Mike, you can do this, and just totally amping me up and calling me Pretty Mike. And then after the hurricane heat ended, it just became my name. And everyone just called me Pretty Mike because of the hair. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was dude. the same with Ted. Yeah, it was the same with Ted. I went to start a call him Freak Show after the hurricane heat. Because it was one of the hurricane heats here in Seattle. So it was all beasts, really, that was in it. So we yeah. all heard it all night long, you know, Freak Show and Pretty Mike. So by the end of it, those that, that was our nicknames. So, yeah, it's fun. So you said you're from Montana, right? Yep. Or, or do you still I, live in Montana? I actually live in, I live in Three Forks, Montana right now. I'm about an hour north of Yellowstone National Park and about three hours away from the Montana Beast site in Kalispell. Nice. I always forget how big Montana is. Montana's it's, huge. It's a hole, yeah. And it's, that's the, a short cut. No, and I, I, want to, I want to go over the highway to the sun sometime, again, with my wife. But every time we go over there, it's always for the, the, the Spartan, you know, in May. And the highway to the sun isn't open. Yep. So, yep. That's way too and, early in the year. Yeah, and I've been over it three three times, I think. And all three times, though, I was on a motorcycle. I've never done it in a car. I've always gone over on a it's motorcycle. So different. I've gone over it in a motorcycle and in a car, both in the car. It's just it's a different feel, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I always like the motorcycle because you. Could, I always felt like I could see so much more. You don't yeah. have the, the car, the structure of the car blocking your view. So the Highway yep, of the Sun, exactly. if anybody's ever in Montana, beautiful, beautiful drive. Beautiful drive. So, so tell me a little bit, what got you into the OCR? You said you met Ted up at Red Deer. But what got, the, you, the, what got you into it before the year that? I, the year I started racing, I'd been running. I've been a distance runner since I was in high school. Had gotten back mm-hmm. into it, and a friend of mine that we had worked with, my wife and I at work, got a hold of us, oh, I want to say January or February of that year, um, which would have been 2016, and she goes, hey, you ever heard of Spartan Race? Uh, no. She goes, look it up. I'm getting married at the, start, at the finish line of the sprint this year in Kalispell. All right, what is this? So I looked it up, jumped on Spartan's website. I'm like, okay, this looks completely insane. I love it. 
So, so I figured, all right, I'll sign up for the sprint. And we were talking with the gal that got married, and she goes, well, we're all going golfing the day before. I'm like, I don't really want to go golfing. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a race the day before the sprint. <laughs> I can't be that bad. Unbeknownst to me, that was the that was the 2016 Spartan was a Norm Koch course. Halfway mm-hmm. through the beast, yep. I figured out why everybody calls him F Norm. Yep, finished yes, yes, it yes. out. I just oh god, I could almost couldn't move by the time I was done. And uh, yeah. we got done got done that night. Went back to the hotel. Got up the next morning, and I'm standing there. Everybody's kind of warming up. And I looked at it and went, dude, this is going to be so much easier than yesterday. Everybody yeah. in the group looked at me and goes, this isn't easy. And I went, you weren't here yesterday. So yeah. ran it. Um, Dustin Doro, it was the last year that Dustin was the announcer in Montana. I love Dustin, Dustin came down, and him and the gentleman that was the officiant for the wedding did the uh, ceremony for my friends, so both Mark and Dustin, that was an experience I'll probably never get to repeat because, oh, my God, that was off the hook. Got through it. Dustin's an amazing. Oh, man. Amazing, man. Listening to him go was just unreal. And so we're sitting there, and the ceremony had gotten over, and we were all sitting around BSing. And my friend looks at me, and she goes, well, you're up two races to none on the rest of us. She goes, you can get your trifecta. Uh, What's a trifecta? <laughs> so get home, got to looking. Well, shit, Seattle's not going to work because we're going to be gone. My brother was getting married that weekend. Looked at my wife and I went, mm-hmm. you want to go to Canada? She goes, <laughs> where? I went, Canada. She goes, when? Um... Like, five weeks? She goes, there's no way we can get a passport in time. We managed to get the passports, got up there, and uh, started racing that first day. And I hear this voice in the background going, oh, God, Montanans. And I'm like, what the hell? So I turn around, and here's this guy. I've never dealt with any of the teams before, save for the Spartan Pro Team. And here's this big kind of scary looking fella in a beast's jersey. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one crazy enough to drive all the way up here for a race. And I spent literally that whole race, because this was before Ted had the problems with his knee and everything. Ted and I spent that whole race going back and forth chasing each other. And just an absolute blast. I just kind of started hanging out. Anytime I'd run into him at a race or something like that, and that's where I started hanging out with him and kind of getting introduced to the Beast crew. Yeah. They're a good group. Mm-hmm. So, so I do think it's funny, though, that you started with – it's so funny to hear how many Beasts started with Montana, whether it be 15 or 16. Most of us started. My very first Spartan was Montana in 15. I did the Beast. The Founders. Because, race. like – I. Yeah, because like I tell most people, I don't do research and didn't realize what the difference between a beast and any other race was. It said Spartan. I'm like, cool, let's go do it. <laughs> yeah, so, I was pretty much guilty of that, too. Yeah, and then the 2016 race is the year that two of my teammates got hurt, and we ended up taking 13 and a half hours to finish that course. We were the I last ones a, across the finish line. I had a friend of mine this year set the record for the fastest time on course. 11 and a half minutes. Made the climb right there at the start. And he was coming Mm -hmm. down that descent into that first crick. Stepped on a rock and heard pop, snap, rip. Ripped his Achilles, ripped his ACL, ripped his MCL. And spent the next five hours sitting in the tent drinking, waiting for everybody else to come back. Yeah. Sometimes that's the hard part. I had the right idea. Yeah. It's the hard part is, I mean, we train hard for these races, but you never know, you know, and we'll talk more about you and yours when something weird like that's going to happen. I've watched a guy that, you know, I mean, he would, I saw a guy at one race look like, I mean, he was like the rock size, like just ripped. 
and just shoot, taken out by a wall. He went to climb up the wall, and he did the thing where he jumped up with his hands and put his foot, like, on the the wall. And the second he did and pushed, his freaking, his Achilles popped. Done. Right there. I mean, you, like, heard it pop, and then you, like, looked, and you could see it rolled up at the bottom by his, you know, like, the Achilles had rolled up. Like a oh, like a window shade, just and you're like, oh, that looks painful. I'm like, there's nothing I can really do for you, but do you need anything? But it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just watching that, and you're just cringing, going, oh, 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 don't, please don't throw up, please don't yeah. throw up. Yeah, and and it's a tough thing. So oh yeah, I mean, I've so how I've many seen some some definitely weird ones. No, oh, yeah. And, that, and that's the hardest part in the sport. I get so many people that, like, will tell me, you know, I don't want to do – I'm afraid to do one of those because I might get hurt. And I'm like, I've seen people, like, you know, I blew out my knee the first time on a on a road race. Oh, yeah. I was doing a, a rock and roll half marathon in Seattle. And I was going downhill and just stepped wrong, and my knee popped and done. Right there. Yep. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what, you know, type of race you're on. I mean, you can – how many guys do we know? We had a guy that broke his ankle hiking last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, you it never know. matter what you're doing. There's an inherent risk. Are you going to oh, have yeah. fun doing it, or are you going to sit on the sidelines and pout? And that's just it. You know, you see all these people that are like, oh, I can't do that because I might get hurt. And it's like, so you're going to – you would rather sit on the sidelines and be safe and have no fun at all than go out there and have the best time of your life – because there's a chance you might get hurt, I'll take the chance uh-huh. for pain. If I get hurt, yep. I get hurt. I've been hurt on enough Spartan there's races. There's a reason we find death waivers. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I do miss Dustin, though, because Dustin, in 2016, he was really good friends with my running partner, Stevie. And okay. he, instead of doing the Spartan, you know, thing, he did the, the speech from Independence Day for ah, our group. Okay. You know what speech I'm talking about yep. from Independence yep. Day. I know. Now imagine Dustin. Yep. Imagine Dustin Rose voice really and him doing I that. that. Oh, that it was it was iconic. Like I'm trying to get. I want to get Dustin on the the podcast just so he can do that for me. I'm like, oh, just that would be awesome. Do that speech, so then I can have it recorded and I can listen to it whenever I want. Pretty I mean, much. it gave me chills. It was so amazing. It, it was amazing. That's like the one my biggest. I have two great memories of Dustin. That one, and then when I, me and Stevie both DNF'd in Hawaii. Um, Dustin was still announcing at that point. And the first place that we went was to Dustin. So, and he kind of calmed Stevie down, and then I went and jumped in the ocean to try and drown my sorrows. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So, because DNF's another fun. So, which I know you've got a story about a DNF, but. Well, I've actually got uh, two bad ones. One. One Spartan. Do you? No. 20, well, 2017. Let's hear that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2017. Sun Peaks, the last year they held the Spartan the Canada um, Ultra Beast up in uh, Sun Peaks. Yep. Went out. I went out in the age group division, five minutes behind the elite. It's a three-peak summit with the final death march being a straight climb up the Challenger double black diamond ski run by the time we hit the top of the ski run i've got hour hour and a quarter to work with plenty of time i got lots of cushions about halfway up the mountain i had noticed a kid in front of me that was starting to have some trouble and so we ended up i stayed with him we got him to the top by the time we got him to the top medical was already there but it took entirely longer than any of us anticipated there was four of us that had from the top of the peak all the way back down, plus a loop through the rig, the uh, dunk walls, and the um, spear throw. We had 35 minutes. That leg had been taking people an average of 55 to 65 minutes. We looked mm-hmm. like a bunch of wild men coming down that hill because we, every one of us came down at a dead flat run trying to get enough time to get in. We missed the yeah. cutoff by six seconds. 
No. No. And I, every, every one of us sitting there just looking at each other. I mean, we knew we'd given it our best. We knew we'd gotten the kid to medical, yeah. but six seconds. Yeah. And so we're all sitting there That's later gonna... that night. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> oh, I bet. And no, so we're all sitting there later that night, and I'm sitting in the restaurant having dinner with my wife and a friend of ours, and my friend looks at me and grins, and she looks at my wife and goes, I need a travel partner. My wife goes, where? She goes, very ever so innocently, Iceland. My DNF <laughs> at the Sun Peaks Ultra Beast led me into doing the inaugural Spartan Worlds in... Uh, Iceland. Talk well, about getting revenge. Oh, it, it worked oh, out yeah. good, and it worked out even better when I found out that the Canadian race director, Johnny White, was working with the Iceland Agogi crew. I told Johnny at the start of that race in Iceland, I was going to finish, and he he was going to hand me the buckle and the medal. I'll be damned if I didn't make him hand me the buckle and the medal. Wow. See, that's awesome. See, I have my DNF story was kind of was similar, except for the fact that when I started, I already had a broken foot. Oh, damn, dude. For the beast in Hawaii. Yeah, okay. I had a broken foot, but my foot was in a boot and my doctor gave me the okay. He said, as long as you don't land on that foot, you're fine. Just be be careful. So, of course, I went for it. I'm like, I already had the Hawaii trip planned. I'm not going to let a little, you know, six or seven fractures in my foot slow me down. <laughs> so I went yeah. for it and it rained and I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of the Hawaii race the hill is a nightmare especially if it rains so we're pulling ourselves up you know hand over fist like having a you couldn't even walk up these even with the, the with you know normal shoes and I had a boot on oh man you know on one foot yeah so we're pulling ourselves up and there was a guy in front of us that fell and he slid down the hill and snapped his arm on a tree. Oh. So, and there's no medical up there. I mean, it's so, there's no pictures of it because even the photographers wouldn't go up this hill. So <laughs> we got him through, got him down, got him to medical, you know, the same thing. And then we're like, we got to go because we're, we're running slow, running out on time because I couldn't move quick anyway because my foot was in a boot. Yeah. So we went for it and we ended up in Norm was the one there at the end, at the freaking cutoff. And we missed yep. it by 30 seconds. Oh. 30 seconds. And it was one of those things that Norm looked right at me and Stevie, and he's like, if it would have just been you two that showed up, I probably would have let you go. But there was like six or seven of us, and the other ones looked like they'd been hit by a truck. Like they were uh-huh. tore up. And, you know, you know, he's looking at everyone going, you guys, look how tore up you are. I'm like, I showed up like this. He's like, I know, you're nuts. But... <laughs> You know, so we missed yeah. it by 30 that seconds. And I'm like just like, oh. And what was really bad yeah. was is we had a guy that was with us for most of the race from uh, okay. Australia that had been with us for most of the race. And where I missed it was was the log carry because it was up a hill that was grass. I couldn't get purchased with my boots, so I kept slipping and falling. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Stevie looked at him and said, hey, he needs. can you help him? And the guy looks at him and goes, I'm not missing the cut. I got to go. And he took off. And if he would have come back to help me, that would have been the like probably the thirty seconds that would have got us across. Yep. And that's yep. one of the things Just that drove me nuts. It's like across is getting across. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those. It's like that's not Spartan, dude. You know, uh-huh. you, you should have helped. You, you never know, leave like a you man said, behind. You know, no, you don't. And that's what drove me nuts. It's like, but you know, it was a good. It's a learning experience when you when you you know DNF. Like for you, you came yeah. back stronger and did the did Iceland. I mean, it's it's a learning experience. It sucks. It really does. I mean, I literally in Hawaii, the way it's set up, the they have little hoses you can hose off with, or the beach is like a quarter mile away. I'm like, okay. screw you all. I'm leaving. I'm going to the I'm going to the beach. And I walked down to the yep. beach and you know jumped and took off my boot, basically stripped down to my underwear, and I'm like, I don't care who sees me. I'm going in the water. So, but, but then I came done. back the next day and did get. The, yeah, I came back the next day and got the super. So I did come back yeah. with one, at least one one medal. So yeah. So what other races yeah, have, was, have you ever done? Have you done other types of races? So I've done. I started out with Spartan, 
And then I ended up going from Spartan. I qualified in 2017 was a hell of a year. 2017 was mm-hmm. the Iceland trip. Um, I went to Blue Mountains, Ontario with her sister team out of Vancouver. Uh, Great Farm now used to be um, Van City OCR. Van City. Yep. So I, I went out with John and Allison and uh, David Beaudry and a bunch of the crew from Vancouver. And we did, I was medically pulled from the 15K. So I volunteered for the 3K and the 15K and then was able mm-hmm. to race the team, the pro team division. I ran pro team uh, mixed relay with um, one of the Van City crew and then a gal from um, Iowa that I've been friends with for about two and a half years now. And then turned right back around, muddy as hell that year. Turned right back around and went out and did the um, Make-A-Wish run with everybody from the Beast crew that was there, plus all of the Crazy Mudder Muckers team. Um, Somehow we all ended up in the first wave coming off the team relay. So all you saw was black and green because they're the, the two same colors just flooding out of the start gate. It was unreal. Oh, that's awesome. And then, um, this year was the first year I've been able to do any of the other patterns. I'm doing X-Warrior. I did X-Warrior with Ted for the Titan event in Calgary. And I also teamed up with him for the relay with uh, him and a friend of ours from the Ahurton Albertans team. And then I'm headed to Peanut Lake, which is the Boneyard OCR, the uh, 12-hour one that Ted just went up and did for Black Ops. I'm going up to do their version of the, uh, basically it sounds like a cross between um, the ghost endurance that we have out at Gig Harbor and a hurricane heat mm-hmm. with Canada's own special nice. twist thrown into it. So, That's the X-Factor, was, right? Uh, Hurt Locker. Yeah, X-Warrior Hurt Locker is the one I'm going up to do. Um, that's actually the same weekend as the... Uh, Wicked Trail Race that Ted's working with Green Beret Challenge on. Nice. Yeah, I know I've talked to Brandy, Brandy Conlin, which is actually funny. Yeah. I talked to her yesterday, but her, her episode's going to go after yours. It's dead. But, <laughs> but yeah, I talked to her, and she was talking about the X-Warrior. What, what are your thoughts on the X-Warrior? I and actually... That's one, that, that's one we don't get, so... Uh, there's going to be a lot of beasts that scream heresy on this, but I actually like X Warrior, at least the way they were set up for Titan and the Sprint Waves better than most of the Spartans I've run. Now, there's a few of the Spartans that are right there on the same level, and the one that comes to mind is the 16 um, Spartan in Montana. And then the other one that, amazingly enough, I would put on this on par with X Warrior was that first inaugural Iceland World Ultra. And I think a lot of that is because none of us knew what the hell was going on anyway. No. But going going in for Calgary, you've got your big elite wave that goes out right away. Then you've got the first couple of age group waves that go out right away on the loop. And then your Titans start. And your Titans started, we were supposed to start at 8.30, and we were pretty close. You had six hours, Mm -hmm. as many loops as possible. And all of the obstacles, and there's, of course, a lot of it is really, really grip intensive. Everything from oddball carries to... They had one low rig that was just an absolute killer. Um, a lot of high rig work, climbs, heavy carries, just a really, really good mix. You never really burned one thing out so that it would kill you for your next, next obstacle. Yeah. The only, the only thing that I had a complaint about with the setup was actually aimed more at the racers. We were told mm-hmm. if you are in Calgary the night before, they were at check-in for 10 hours on Friday. And like three-quarters of the guys racing Elite and Titan didn't show up until 
Saturday morning. So we had a huge back queue that we could have handled if people had listened. Other than that, (laughs) no. Trust me, I work in retail. I work at a truck stop. I know how well they listen at times. Um, But other than that, I mean, race-wise, the only thing they the only drawback they had was that their MC had to call off. So Darcy stepped in and MC'd the whole thing all day long, along with being the race director. So he was kind of running back and forth, mm-hmm. but awesome, awesome obstacles. All the volunteers were kick ass. They just they knew what they were doing. Um, Wind sport, which is where they held it there at the the Calgary Olympic Park, was. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. At one point, you're up even with the top of the 90-meter ski hill, the jump hill. Oh, wow. And looking, and looking down at where 10 minutes before in the, in the weighted heavy carry, which is the um, one picture I've got with my email, you're all the way at the bottom of the ski jump hill. So you, in the span of like 10 to 15 minutes, you traverse the whole height of the of the ski jump. Wow. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It it was. I the course designer between Darcy and Rob Day as the course designer, they did an incredible job of using that to its fullest extent. Because you had And how many laps runs, did you get? Like, I got three in. I took too long on my first lap because I stopped to help a friend of mine. And I yep. needed, you needed four for Colossus with having the relay. I could have probably dropped the hammer and made it in time for the cutoff, but I don't know if I'd have made it in time for the relay start. So instead of taking the yeah. fourth one, what I did was I grabbed one of the 40 pound heavy bags and you do a full and complete lap with the heavy bag. So um, you're doing I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the heavy lap there's, um, some of them, I know a couple of runners um, that actually did all their laps with the heavy bag. Ooh. Yeah. See, I don't know. So I, mean, it's, I think maybe with a little more training, I could do that. Because right now, I've started training with a a 20-pound vest on, which okay. my goal is, is as I lose weight, for every five pounds of weight I lose, I'm going to drop another five pounds into the vest until I get up to about 40 pounds. So makes sense but yeah so that way i'm always training at the the my highest weight no matter how much i actually weigh so yep but yeah yep so anybody yeah anybody that's on the fence though needs to go yeah i mean and that's one of the things I've, I've mentioned to people yeah i mentioned take i want to try it up next year go do it yeah, now if we can just get Greenberry so, Challenge to actually come in. Come on, Mark. Yep, come on, Mark. Get up there to Calgary. Well, that's, I so. made the mistake of making friends with Mark when I went to OCR Worlds back in 17. and Yeah, some of his obstacles. He's like a good guy. He is an extremely good guy, but when it comes to as a race designer, yeah, he'll make you learn every step of that course. Which is good. That's good. I mean, that's kind of what I want. That's what I miss. I think we need to get a beast team together and go down and do one of his commando races. Well, we were hoping to have one up here in the Northwest in October, but um, we didn't get enough people signed up, enough teams. So they're just doing a a wicked trail, I think. Yeah, he's doing doing whatever they call it. Yeah, I was supposed to which, go down. Which I think is going to be amazing anyway. But oh yeah, and knowing Mark, it'll be one that people will talk about for a long time. Yeah. So and that's I think what we need up here. I mean, in in the Pacific Northwest, I don't think we get enough. You know, people aren't like we've had a couple race, couple brands try and come up here, and people don't sign up, so they end up backing out. We had. You know, yeah. Gradator did it last year. They had everything set up, and within two months of the, when the race was supposed to start, they backed out and said, we don't have enough people signed up. We're going to lose money if we go up there. 
So it's kind of like, uh, you know, we have a huge base up here, but for whatever reason, if it isn't Spartan, we're not getting people. People aren't signing up. I need Which to open like, your mind to the We need a new challenge. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've been trying to do on the podcast is talk a lot about these other races and get people opened up, you know, just because, I mean, nothing against Spartan. Spartan's where we all like started and that's where, you know, a home is really for me. But I like new challenges. That's the whole reason I yep, started Spartan because exactly. I wanted new challenges. So, all right, let's take a quick break um, for a commercial. And then when we come back from commercial, we'll talk about some more, some more fun stuff. All right, sounds good. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you. Because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. Okay, we're back from commercial, and we talked a little bit about X-Warrior. What other races have you done? I mean, have you gone up to Canada for any of those? I know that the couple other ones that Brandy talked about in Canada, but have you done any of the others up there? No, I haven't had a chance because I'm mostly, with being where I'm at in Montana, it's pretty much if I'm racing in Canada, I'm racing in Alberta or possibly Mm. B.C., depending on... Like, I really wanted to be in Kimberly this weekend, but I had that race last yeah. weekend. So it's like, there's no way you're going to get the time, that much time off in a row to be able to do two race weekends. No. No. Although, granted, I so, really wanted to see the, I really wanted to see the gladiators. Oh, yeah. I want to see those back. I am, I, when I started Spartan, they were already gone. So... I know Cena said Kimberly gets them this weekend, so I'm waiting to find out from my friends if he was blowing smoke or not. But Joe said that in a podcast earlier this year that Kimberly was getting the Gladiators back, was getting the Spartans back. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh-huh. That'd be awesome. Oh. So besides the X-Warrior and Spartan, what other races have you done? I mean, have you come out? Have you done? Have you done any of the... The races with Mark Ballas, or you just know Mark? Um, I've done, I was supposed to do the um, commando earlier this year with a group of friends that things just kind of fell apart right at the end. So OCR-wise, it's basically X-Warrior, um, OCR World Championship Series, and then Spartan. So, I mean, with OCR okay. World, you've got the, got the mix of all the different ones, Black Swamp Runner, Force 5, um, Urban Sky, stuff like that. They all bring their big ones. Uh, Hubie Cushman and his uh, Indian Floating Walls from Indian Mud Run. But a, a full actual travel race, no. It's Usually if I'm not racing um, OCR, I'm either racing mountain bike or I'm racing, I do uh, ultra trail races. Oh, nice. Nice. So how many of those have you done? Uh, mountain bike races, I've done just some, just a few local ones, mostly because in this area, it's a lot harder to race mountain bike than it is road bike. I like riding my road bike. I'm not a fan of racing it, Okay, but like next year I've got, I've got a hundred miler in the North Dakota Badlands on my mountain bike that's on the schedule that, uh, will be just. All the way through the Badlands, it's just such an otherworldly trip that it'll just be an absolute riot to do. And then Ultra Trail, Ultra Trail Counting, Sinister, Sinister Twice, Volcanic 50, Trail Rail 50 Miler. Yeah, four of them. No, five. I've got five. Five ultras, and then a lot of the shorter trail runs are around my home area are just for a lot of fun. But the the big yeah. ones are, um, I've done 250Ks, um, the 50-miler, and then I've got two shots on the Sinister 700-miler as a relay team. 
<laughs> so I tend to stay kind of busy. So what are the? Yeah, that's good. So what kind? What kind of explain to the listeners what the the ultra, the the ultra trail or yeah, what those are? Okay, what those entail? So basically, with ultra trail, you've got if anything longer than a marathon. Usually, your your starting distance is fifty kilometers, so about thirty one miles. Um, you can have anything from trail, like trail rail 50, the 50 miler that I ran, which was actually my first ultra ever was all on old, uh, railroad bed trail. So very, very smooth, but a real, a real major grinder because you never had any real big ups and downs to break it up. It's, it's one of those yep. that if you can stay out of your head, you can finish. Then you go to something like it's a little shorter, but it's it's one of those races I finished, but I've got a uh, axe to grind with it, which is Volcanic 50 down at Mount St. Helens, 50 kilometers on the Lewitt Trail all the way around Mount St. Helens. Um, bunged up my ankle in that one really early, and I figured, okay, 50K, I can do this. Eleven and a half hours later, I'm going, I'm not so sure I should have done this. I did finish, yeah. but that that one was a little difficult. Um, and then the the big one would have to be Sinister Seven um, up in Blairmore, Canada. Well, based around Blairmore, Canada, in Alberta, right there in the uh, Alberta Rockies. 161 kilometers start at 7 a.m. Saturday, and you have until 1 a.m. Sunday. So 30 hours to finish. Um, I think the fastest is uh, something like around 17 or 18 hours for uh, men and just a little over 19 hours for women. And there's wow. right right at, in, in 100 miles, there's approximately... I think 20, I want to say 26,000 feet worth of gain. Ooh, that's some gain. So, yeah, it's it's a big one. And it's not even so much the gain, because I know of a few hundred milers that have more gain, but it's that tight, tight time limit, because you've only got 30 mm-hmm. hours, and most, most of them you'll get 36. So yeah. it's and like, that's a that's a relay one though, right? Well, you can run it as solo or you can run it as relay. I'm not not quite crazy enough to run it as a solo yet. Yeah, but I've I've done it twice as a relay. Last year as a four person relay, and the, then this year I partnered up with a friend of mine from Kamloops, um, BC, that we uh, did it as a two man team. Wow. A lot of that's still. I mean, so that means you're you're doing like 15 needs doing 50. Is yep. the plan? Yep, that was Ooh. the plan. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I've done like last month. Me and Don did a 26 mile trail, a marathon, and that was yep. That was basically like you said. It was an old railroad that had been. You know, this railroad trails ties were obviously gone. The tracks were gone, but it was just an old trail that followed a railroad track. That so there wasn't a lot of grade. It was just basically, but it started at the top of the mountain and you went down. It was the whole thing was down. Yep. So, which everyone's like, that must have been amazing, and I'm like, nah, it was a little. It was different. It was different. Yeah, I will give really it that. Have so. any spots where you can you can power hike up and then just have a little bit of fun freewheeling on the downhill. Yeah. And I mean, my, you know, 20 miles into it, my, my legs, you know, my quads were on fire. Oh yeah. But, yeah. But I, and I finished, but so one of the things that I know kind of stuck out to me and Don, when we saw your post is your, your recap of the sinister seven. So, like we mentioned earlier, not every race goes the way you want it to go. So, and I kind of wanted to, you know, wait and definitely bring the Sinister Seven at the end, kind of towards the end. And we'll talk about Sinister Seven because that's that's where I think we're going to get into the fun talk. So, give us a quick recap of, of the Sinister Seven. 
I mean, you know, I read the one that you posted online, but I mean, give us a quick, you know, your recap of how that race, you know, how it went. Very, very, very quick recap was the way the race started was my partner was supposed to run one, three, and five. Then I was going to do two, four, and six. We were going to team up to run seven. That way we both had the full 50 miles in and covered the hundred. Well, it turned out a little bit different than that. Legs one and two went great for Clint and I. Leg three, mm-hmm. Clint had a little bit of trouble with some heat, nothing major, pretty much average for that race. Leg four. Oh, what do I say about leg four? I will find the section of trail that caved out from underneath my knee the next time I run it, and I will run that sucker again. Yeah. Leg four ended up, and I didn't have an option. I was medically pulled at the end of leg four, and Clint was taken. Clint had some pretty hard spills in leg five that he decided that he was going to pull it in leg five because he's got two more really, really big trail races coming up, and he didn't want to risk either one of those races, which I completely understood. But in the long run, right next to our name, it reads, did not finish. That's that's always a tough one, but it was especially so, for this one. So I know your 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 online one goes a little more in depth. Kind of what happened? I know you said that the, everything kind of went out from under you. I mean, for the people who couldn't see what was online, let let, let everyone know just kind of the extent so, of why you were medically the, pulled. The extent of things was. Um, Leg four is a little over 23 kilometers and about 10K into the run. Mm-hmm. I was coming down a really wet technical section that it looked like where I was stepping was safe. Now, as we discussed earlier, you take the chances or you sit on the sidelines. Yeah. I took the chance. Coming through this section, a section of the trail um, let go underneath me. It was There was a rock hidden under the mud that I didn't see. And when the rock let go, I slid down the trail. Coming down the trail, when I come to the bottom where the trail would normally make its turn, there's a little rock crevasse off to the side that my right leg dropped into. My leg, my lower half of my leg stopped, and the rest of my body continued to go. And I felt and heard kind of a, a crunch, pop, snap. As it was still turning, I'm like, oh, that can't be good. And I mean, as soon as it happened, the adrenaline rush hit so hard that I really, I literally couldn't feel any pain. And I looked down, and when I looked down, my kneecap was spun completely 90 degrees to the right. It was sitting on the outside of my leg. um, And my tibia was actually popped out of place. I twisted and stopped so violently when I hit the crevasse that it dislocated the top of my tibia and my kneecap. It was like, okay, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, really don't have an option as to how to get back in. I got to hike it in. And so the only option I had was to reduce it in place and get the kneecap and the, the top of my tib back into place. I'm pretty sure anybody that was within about a kilometer of me was pretty sure Yeti was coming through the woods when I let out the yell when I popped that thing back in. Got it back in and got it back in and I proceeded to get back on the trail. Well, I didn't, couldn't feel anything because of the adrenaline dump. So I didn't think too much about it. Made it to the next checkpoint, and the, the gal at the checkpoint saw my knee and saw me limp, and she goes, do I need to medical you? And I went, honestly, I can't feel anything. I go, and there's only about 11 or 12 kilometers to go to get into the transition zone. I'll make the decision when I get to transition. I go, I'll be fine. I've just got to get through this section. And granted, yeah. I was through most of the worst of the climb. There was there was one ridge ridge top climb, and then it was... Basically, you drop down onto, I heard one runner call it the road that never ends. And it's it's a really long, like, 
probably four or five kilometer long stretch of straight two track that doesn't really change. So I started plugging along and the farther I got, I noticed that the more time I was losing, I'm like, Oh, this can't be good. Like, Oh, this is going to be close. I'm just going to barely make it in. Oh God, I might not make it in before sundown. And I think I rolled into, into transition to hand off the chip and talk to Clint with about two minutes to spare. Um, but what I didn't know is all the runners that had been passing me, everybody of course was checking on me, which I appreciated to no end, but it's like, we're out in the middle of BFE guys. I don't have an option, but I've got to get into transition. Well, as everybody was getting into the transition zone for me, they were giving medical a heads up as to what was going on, how I looked, how I sounded. Um, and so I got in, I looked at Clint, and, and I told him, I go, well, I know I've got one leg left, but there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this. I go, I'm going ha- to have to drop right now. And I go, I'll let you decide on, on your leg, but there's no way. And he goes, why? And about that time, the adrenaline wore off. I hit the deck and medical came running. And it's like, there's no way. At one point, yeah, the, the adrenaline had kind of jumped back up, and I'm like, oh, I, I might be good to go. The paramedic looked at me and she goes, I don't care. I will sit on you. Okay, yeah, I think yeah. my day's done. That's so how you know your day's done. Got, yeah, got it done. Um, got some Tylenol in me just to kind of control the pain and slept for a little while on the condition that I would go to the hospital and get it checked out. Not my favorite idea, but I did go do it. And uh, when I went to the hospital, we pulled x-rays and discovered that the tendon on the right-hand side of my knee is torn halfway through, and there was a a shadow on the x-ray that the doc in Canada didn't want to claim. He wasn't 100% sure, so I told him to just email it to my physiotherapist, and if he'd clear me, I'd get on my way back to the States. He cleared me, loaded me up on Tylenol, and away I went. Monday morning, I called my physiotherapist, told her the x-rays were should be sitting in her inbox. I needed her to look at them. And about 10 minutes later, she called me back and goes, that shadow mm-hmm. on that x-ray is a fracture on top of the tibia. Like, hmm. So what you say it is my running. That all hurts just listening while. to it. Oh, hmm. it. I'm, I'm laying here right now with the leg up. Um. I can still work on it, but I basically can't bend it. I'm walking around like big leg Pete. Yep. I mean, the the one thing I always talk about, like when I, in my running days was blowing my knee in, you know, doing the, the rock and roll. What I usually don't mention is the fact that I actually blew my knee when I was 15. That was the original. And basically I did kind of a little of the same thing. I was running in the outfield because I played left uh-huh. field and I was running for the ball, reaching out for the ball. And I put my left foot in a gopher hole in a full dead run. I've had injuries so, like, to the other leg yeah. and my right ankle's a little weak. It always has been ever since I was a kid, but I had never actually done anything to the right knee at all. I never had a problem oh. with it. So when I screwed yeah, things thing. up, I, I was do it right. I did yeah. Before I was 22, I'd done both. I did my left knee while I was running, you know, in the outfield in baseball. And literally, yep. like, when I hit the gopher hole from the knee down, stayed straight up and down, and I landed flat on my face. Uh-huh. So my knee completely hyperextended. Yeah. And I, t- I tried getting up three times before my head, like, I listened to everybody and stayed down because the ball was only five feet away. I'm like, I can get it. And then I kept trying to stand up and put weight on that leg, and I'd fall over again. But, and then my right knee, I dropped 1,100 pounds on the side of my knee and bent it. Yeah, that'll do a number on it. Yeah, so that was one of the fun ones where I'm looking at my doctor like, hey, I can't sit at home on L&I for, because this was at work, for a month or so. And the doctor's like, a month? You're looking at two years. What? No, 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 no. He's like, you're looking at two years before you can drive a truck again. And I would tell you, I still have my CDL. That was the last time I ever drove a truck. I haven't driven one since, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah. So, but, 
No, and that's yeah, the thing that with those injuries. Those. It's coming back from them. Yeah. And I've got the physiotherapist. The, the one physiotherapist that I work with is a gal. Um, my wife actually started out working with her for a back injury, and it's one of the very few physios that I trust. Um, yeah. And so I'm working with her, and then there's another gal. She's a multiple-time Western States winner, the big 100-mile race down in California um, that lives here yeah. in the Valley, too. And if we've already talked with her that if what we're doing with my first physio doesn't work, I'm going to see the second physio and go with it because, I mean, this is a gal that's won basically the crown, every crown jewel there yeah. is in trail racing. So I'm pretty sure she well, knows what she's doing. And that's one of those things that's tough. And, you know, I've talked to other people, you know, we've got friends in the beast group that are working in the medical field, either nurses or whatever like that. A few of them going for degrees in like, you know, physiotherapy. And we've talked to a couple of physiotherapies on the, the thing. And the biggest thing um, that most of them will say is you have to make sure you get one that understands what you need. You have the yep. ones that, you know, are specialized in people that are older who are just trying to get enough mobility that they don't need a walker every day. Yep. And that's not what we need. We need one that's actually going to understand that, hey, I don't want to be able to just walk around my house. I want to go run a Spartan. I want to go yep, do this. Exactly. And you run into the problem of ones that don't get that. It's like with my, my foot. You know, when I shattered my foot, I, I, I shattered it three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. It's been a while. It's been, I think, three years. But pretty much my doctor got me to a point where I could go back to work. Well, my job is sitting at a desk. So, yeah, cool, my foot's good enough that I can sit at a desk again, but it's not good enough that I can run a mile. Yep, And exactly. that's, you know, what you have to make sure is you get that doctor to understand, hey, you know, this is what I do for work. You know, for you, I, I'm retail at a truck stop, but on the weekends I'm running marathon, you know, running these trail races. I need – I don't want to just get back to where I can do my job. I want to get back to where I can live my life, you know, yep, and that's exactly. the hard part. So. Finding that right physio is the the key to that, to get back to your life, not just back to work. You know, we don't live to work. We work to live. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is entirely too true anymore. We need, or well, no. Yeah, we work to live. Unfortunately, my boss seems to think we live to work. Yeah. And there's too many of them like that that try and, you know, think that, you know, your whole, <coughs> sorry, I took a drink and went down the wrong tube. That you go to work or you whole life revolves around work and it doesn't, you know, we go to work so that we can afford to live and afford our lives and our, our, our hobbies and habits. Yep. <clears throat> Now that you've been injured, well, what so is your right plan now, the, to, to, to the come plan, back? The, the plan for rehab, we're on, I had two <laughs> options given to me. I could either do surgery, be out for about a year, but have a, sl uh, a slightly lower pain level during recovery, or yeah. do six months rehab and physiotherapy and deal with the higher pain level. Well, this is me. Yeah. I'm a beast. I'm a beast member. Yeah, I took the shorter, more painful route. Um, right now, we're looking total recovery should be about six months. There's going to mm -hmm. be a stress test on the leg right before I go up in October to do um, Hurt Locker. My team, I've already talked to my team about it. They all know. Um, we weren't expecting to battle for a win or anything like that. So what we're looking for is a good solid finish. And I've got a lockdown knee brace for any time that I'm working with something where I need to be able to keep the knee stabilized, but I'm still working, but it's also set up that I can release the locks for physiotherapy and, um, stuff like that. So nice. Figure, I got about another, I'm hoping on Monday, I'm not counting on it, but I'm 
hoping I can start rehab on Monday, depending on how the swelling has gone down. If not, they're going to have me wait another week, and I will start um, physical therapy and um, light, really, really light balance work um, about a week from now, and then the first, probably the end of the first week of August, if uh, the tendons healed the way it's supposed to, I'm going to start um, being able to put some light weight on the knee and see how it goes from there. And then that gives me August and September to try and be able to get to where I can bear weight on it and start getting ready for the October event up by Edmonton. So, nice. so it sounds like you got lucky with the tear that it wasn't a complete tear because that was me oh, on both yeah. of mine. Luckily I have, apparently I have very stretchy tendons and, and uh, ligaments because yep. nothing I had, to, I tore everything pretty much. That's kind of how the doctor told me on the one. He's like, you pretty much tore everything, but nothing actually tore through. Yep. So I always, I had the same option. It was like, you can do surgery and you'll be out longer and it will be less pain or you can just do physical therapy and it would be less time, but a lot more painful. And I don't like surgery. So I'm like, I'm going with it. I'm going with the physical therapy option, but yep. Yep. I know with I my right knee, it was, it was still a year and a half before they told me that I could, it, with a, as long as I wore my brace, that I could drive a, a truck again. They're like, you can drive a truck because it was my right knee. If it had been my left knee, they wouldn't have let me because I couldn't push the clutch. No, because so you couldn't get the clutch back like, in. Yeah. So they're like, you, can, you know, you can go back to driving a truck. And by then I was the lead dispatcher for the company. And I'm like, I don't drive anymore. What are you talking about? I tell everyone else to do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. So, yeah, it'll be. But I kept my um, studio. That was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a lot of. um a lot of uh, making sure that I'm not – I got to really watch how I step. Like last night, yeah. I just took one bad step, and it pretty much knocked me for a half an hour before I could actually walk right again. And that's the hard part is, I mean, for people like us, and that was so hard for me when I hurt my foot because I was finally – I was back into a rhythm uh, of working out and how I was doing it, and I was so happy, and I was dropping the weight again, and I was doing everything I, would, I needed to do, and then all of a sudden it's like I couldn't, and I kept mm-hmm. trying to. You know, and you'd well, be like, oh, it'll be fine if I just take this one step, and you put weight on, and you're like, oh, Jesus, you know, and then, you know. You yep. feel everything well, starts going dark, and you're like, oh. That's like tomorrow, because yeah. along with doing the races and stuff, I also do a uh, the style of competitive rifle shooting. That's a lot of positional work. And yep. there's, a, there's a couple of them tomorrow that I might be trying to contort like Gumby so that I can get in there and not pressure my knee. Yeah, so. and that's the hard part. If I could give you any advice, it would be listen to the doctor and don't push it. Because I'm yep. sure... I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm guessing you're about my age. 37. We start feeling it. <laughs> See, you're about my so, age. I'm 41. So okay, yep. I'm at that age where I can I can feel all the mistakes I made as a teenager and in my 20s where I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. The doctor says five weeks, two weeks is close enough. Let me take this brace uh-huh. off and start walking around. Yep. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, now I'm like, oh, hey, my knee's aching. It's going to rain in an hour. So it's one of those where you wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, is this a three coffee day or is this a three coffee and two whiskey day? Yeah, it's a three coffee and two whiskey day every day. What are you talking about? (laughs) Hey, I'm trying to be responsible. Yeah, I'm responsible. I don't drink the whiskey till I get home and don't have to drive. (laughs) Or I'm sure wherever I'm at, my wife can drive me home. Yeah, so very true. All right. Well, we're about at that hour mark. So is there anything you want to say to the listeners in closing? Just open open your minds to try in some of these other races, guys. Go to Canada, run X Warrior. Um, if you get the chance, go do one of Ballas' Green Beret races. 
And for God's sake, listen to your doctors. <laughs> <laughs> and your wife. Yes, my wife's been having an I told you so moment since I burned my knee. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I get that one too. Yeah, it was like Montana in 17 when I tore my my uh, my pectoral muscle and my bicep on the rings. And after the race, I'm like, oh, I'll do the sprint tomorrow. I'll be fine. And I woke up and my right boob was like twice the size of my left. Yep. She's like, you ain't doing And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So, uh, yeah. Kind of like my daughter the first time she ran the Spartan. She goes, I can run it in a cotton T-shirt. 45 minutes later, oh. medicaled out for 45 minutes later, medicaled out for uh, hypothermia. That was actually, that was uh, 17. That was the rain in Montana. The year rained so hard during yep. the sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Was like and that was the year I didn't do the sprint. Yeah, that's the year I didn't do the sprint because I had to tear my bicep, or my bicep and my pec. So. I, I made up for it for you. I went and I did the beast on Saturday. Turned around, did the age group sprint with a couple of friends of mine, and then turned around and went back out with my daughter and my youngest. And after we got her to medical, I proceeded to chase my youngest down over the next half of the course. <laughs> Jeez. Well. Well, he made the he well. made the mistake of going. Well, you can't catch me, and took the rope down the uh, scree slope that we had climbed up there in sixteen. Uh, I didn't use the rope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yikes. All right. Well, like I said, we're about that hour mark, so I think I'm going to let you go. We're definitely going to have to do this again. I do want to talk to you again after probably, you know, after October, once you've healed and been able to do that and kind of let, you know, let the listeners know how that recovery went, because that's very important to make sure people understand that you have to do the recovery correctly. And then, yeah. So thank you for for talking with me. No problem. Oh, yeah. And hopefully I'll be able to see you out on the course down there sometime soon. Oh, I'm hoping. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.